You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. I want to dive in and talk about today basically three stages that I believe every person goes through in life and why it's important to, to try to get to this final stage that I'm going to emphasize at the end. But I'm going to try to give you, from, from, the, from the feeble pastor's mind, the most simplistic concept of why you're where you are and how do you move forward. I mean, it's three stages that when we get done, I believe you'll look back and go, you know what, everybody goes through these three stages. And in the process, I wanted to make sure it was very, very biblically grounded. We always start with God's Word. And so there was many different characters in God's Word or different people that have lived that I was going to use. But I thought, you know, we're just going to focus just on one, and that's going to be the Apostle Paul. And so we're going to end up in Galatians. And uh, there's going to be other scriptures I'm going to use, but, but that's where you're going to want to be in chapter 1. And so if you get to that on your app or on your iPad or wherever you've got carrying. Or, but it's basically this concept that I want you to get. The first stage that everybody has, whether you want to admit it to or not, and it happens from the time that you were born, is that you enter this world and you're in what I call the I need stage. Like everybody is at some point in their life in the I need to stage. Now you say, I need to what? Well, that's kind of the question, isn't it? Yeah, there's a big blank there. But everybody is in this I need to stage. In fact, you've heard me say this a lot. I, I use this scripture quite often because it's extremely important for you to understand this. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, but it's Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. And he's talking about how God has put eternity in the heart of man. What that means is that you were created from the very beginning with a mechanism in your soul that gives you an I need to concept it's God's mechanism to bring you back to him you have a desire to want something more we have put it this way you have a void in your life but if we look from a spiritual perspective there's also a greater void that God has created in you where he's saying yes I have a need for you as well you know some people will will use this concept of of this need, this void, and it's the reason why people have addictions. They're searching for something to fill this void, and they get into a situation where they're on pain meds, they're on dope, they're on some sort of addiction. There's some people that have a need, and they're trying to fill this need, and they get stuck into different situations. It may not be addictions, but it may be a struggle financially because they, they have an aspect. They always want more. I need Two, I need more. I need that house. I need that car. I need, and the car they have is not enough. Like they have this insatiable appetite because God has put in their life a void that only he can fulfill. And as long as you don't allow him to fulfill it, guess what? That void keeps growing and you're constantly needing more. And depending on how you deal with that, really, really, really will set you up to the next stage. I'll give you an example of the I need to stage. It's actually in Galatians. Galatians, talking about Paul. I'm going to talk about Paul's life today. Chapter 13, here's what Paul said. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism, 
beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely jealous was I for the traditions of my father. See, Paul even identifies the fact that, you know what? Everybody has this void in their life and this need to fill this void. Paul was using the Judaism or the Jewish ritual laws to be what he was trying to fulfill that with. He was zealous about it. See, we talk about New Testament church, and we know the story of Paul's conversion, and we're going to hit it very, very briefly here in just a minute. But we look at Paul, formerly Saul, being this horrible, terrible person that persecuted the church. But what's amazing is, is in Saul's eyes, he was very relig religious and extremely right. He was pursuing the God of his fathers. He was pursuing Yahweh God. The problem is, is that he had become blinded by the void that he had in his life. And rather than God becoming the Savior through Christ, he was still trying to pursue this God and persecuting the church because he had this insatiable desire, this need. Again, depending on how you meet the need-to stage in your life will determine how you enter what I call the next-to stage. You say, what's the next stage? Well, the next stage is this. I have to. Everybody starts with, I need to. And they move into a second stage, which is, I have to. What does that look like? Well, if you've ever been stuck in an addiction or know somebody that's stuck in an addiction, or if you've ever hit kind of what we call rock bottom in life, then you hit a point where you go, you know what? It's no longer about what I need because of where I am. I have to do something about this. I call it the I have to stage. Like whether it be addictions that are in your life, whether it be relationships that are in your life, whether it be where you're going, you hit a point where you're not getting any fulfillment. God has created this void in your life to pursue him. You've not chosen to pursue him. You've chose to pursue other things. And you hit a point where it's like you're in a midlife crisis. Only problem is it's normally not in midlife. And you're going, my life is not where I want it to be. I still have something in me that says there has to be something more. I still want to know God more, but I'm not pursuing these things. I have to do something about this. Here's the way Paul's story unveils. It's the verse before and the verse after what I just read. It's in Galatians, starting in verse 12. He said, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And then verse 15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arab and returned again to Damascus. Now, this story is more prevalent in Acts chapter 9. And you've heard of the conversion of Saul to Paul. And what he's talking about in Galatians is his have-to moment. He had this insatiable need. He was trying to fulfill this need by pursuing God. He was very zealous in that pursuit of God. The problem is he was not pursuing God in his amazing sovereignty and grace. He was pursuing God out of this legalistic mentality, out of this Old Testament ritual. He was persecuting the modern church who had accepted Christ as the Savior. And so on his way to go and persecute 
more Christians on the way to this place called Damascus. He has this major encounter. And all of a sudden, his need-to and have-to world collided because he was encountered by God and he was blinded. And you know what's amazing is the encounter. It's in chapter 9, verse 4. God asked him a question, and I believe it's the same question that everybody hits before they move from the need-to to to the have-to stage. And he literally asked Paul this question. Why? Why do you persecute me? Now, yours may not be persecute me, but everybody has a why moment in their life. And you got to fill in the blanks. Why am I doing this? Why am I pursuing this? Why am I not satisfied? Why do I feel like there's something more? Why out of everything I'm trying to do, trying to fill this need in my life, why do I feel like there has to be something more out there? Why do I feel like there's got to be something more to this life than what I currently have? Why do I feel like this is not giving me the satisfaction that I want? Why do I always long for more than what I have? Why is there always somebody on social media that has a better life than me? Why is there always somebody that seems like they have everything that I want? Why? 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 And the question is not why, but the question is, where are you? You were created with an amazing need. A need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And until you recognize that need and truly pursue him, I want you to know that there is a major encounter coming where you're going to have to deal with things that you're dealing with. But those are not the things that I wanted to focus on today. So Paul ends up, and let me really quick give you a summary of of Acts chapter 9. So Saul, before he's Paul, is on his way to Damascus, trying to fill this need in his life of having a relationship with God, but rather than filling it with a relationship with Jesus Christ, he's filling it by persecuting the church and chasing Judaism. He gets blinded. He gets asked the question, why are you persecuting me? In verse 4. Then around verse 11, this amazing person shows up on the scene in this story called Ananias. Who God says, Ananias? And he goes, yes, Lord, I need you to go visit Saul. He is in this house in Damascus. And Ananias' response was, God, do you know who that is? Like, do you know the background there? And God affirms in Ananias that he didn't, like, not know something, that he has a bigger plan. And so Ananias shows up, and he finds a very broken and humbled Saul who is willing to do whatever it takes. And through Ananias' prayer and revealing who it was that Saul had encountered on this road to Damascus, for him understanding that that was Jesus, the one that he's persecuting the church over, then it says that these, what looks like scales, fell out of Saul's eyes. And then here's what amazingly happened. Here's the whole point of today. Because then Saul moved from a, I need to, into an I have to moment, in other words, I have to deal with what's in my life, to this amazing moment where I I hope that all of us can get there and get there very soon. Because all of a sudden now Paul moves into this final stage where all the power lies. It's where all the freedom lies. We talk about knowing God and finding freedom and discovering your purpose and making a difference. All of these things exist in this last stage of life. 
It's called the I want to stage. See, when you truly experience Christ, you move from a I need to a I have to to all of a sudden when we get this freedom, we say, you know what? No, I do these things because this is what I want to do. Can I give you some questions that usually define when you're stuck in the I have to and you've not gotten to the I want to? Questions like this. What time service get out? So that means you're living in an I have to stage. You've not got to a I want to stage. Mickey, how often do I have to serve on a dream team? You're in a have to stage. You've not gotten to a want to stage. You've had an experience like this. People will come talk to you and you'll say something about that Jesus Christ has changed your life and that you want to spend some time in God's word and how that transforms your life. And they say something like this. Well, you know, I, I don't have an issue with Jesus. I don't have an issue with God's word. But, you know, I just know that, that if I accept, like I'm just not ready yet in my life to do that because I just know that when you accept Christ, there's a lot of things you can't do. And I just don't know if I'm ready to give those things up yet. You know what they're saying? They've not hit the want to stage yet. Like most people in the walk of Christianity, and I don't know why, but they never get to the I want to stage. Everything that they do in their relationship with Christ is what they feel like is stuff they have to do. I have to get up and try to make it a priority to study God's Word. I have to get up and try to make it a priority and spend some time praying with Him or on my way to work, you know, just put on 93.1 and, and put some jams on. And, you know, I, I have to, I have to, I have to. And don't you know that God's up there saying, hey, do me a favor. Just stop and get to the I want to. Now, I don't know a whole lot about relationships. I know that seems crazy. But, but I've learned that, you know, the people that usually understand Things like marriage and understand things like relationships are usually the ones, I think that's really why God's word is so clear about respecting your elders because, because it's, you can understand a lot of things. Like we have an amazing university here called Lee University. And anybody that's ever went to school would tell you that when you graduate, basically what you're doing is you're leaving there with a certificate saying, I can start a task and I can finish it. But the education is really just now starting because there's a big difference between book knowledge and experience. Like, there's a big difference between, oh, here's the way this happens, and then you go and you go, wait a minute, it's never happened like that. Like, I remember being in ministry classes, and they say, oh, you just do this, 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 and this, and this. And you go, and you're like, okay, I did this, this, and that, no, it didn't happen. Like, there's a big difference, in, you know, like, experience is your greatest teacher. And when you think about relationships and marriage and other things, experience is an amazing, amazing teacher. So even though I don't understand everything there is to understand about these things, there's one thing I have understood about relationships. There's something very powerful when somebody wants to be with me rather than feeling like they have to be with me. Like for you, it's the same way, right? Like when somebody says, no, 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 I choose you. I don't have to be with you. I want to be with you. Boy, all of a sudden, man, things get good, don't they? Like my kids. I love my kids. But when all of a sudden they say, hey, Daddy, would you like to go to Chick-fil-A? Now, it may be a ploy that they just want Chick-fil-A. I get that. But at the same time, 
whenever my kids invite me to be a part of something that they would like to do with me, especially when they're old enough to drive and pay for it themselves, it's amazing how I'll rearrange my schedule. I've went skiing recently and felt like I had to crawl to the bathroom the next morning because my legs were so much on fire. And you say, why would you do that? Because there's no way I would ever say no to an opportunity to go skiing with my son. Because when somebody wants to, it's just different. How much bigger does God work on that? I mean, think about it. Most of us approach Christianity with a very legalistic mindset that here's God's word and here's all the things that I have to do. And God's up there saying, listen, I gave you this thing called free will. You don't have to do anything. But when you want to, man, I can open up my floodgates. I can do amazing things in your life when you want me to. See, some people will ask me, they say, you know, do you think that God understands and knows all things? Absolutely. Is there any time that God's shocked by what's going on? Absolutely not. Like God is completely in control. That's what makes him God. God can be completely in control, but yet give you a choice, even though he's completely in control. You say, how does that happen? To be honest with you, I don't know. I'm not God, and that's good for you, because if I was God, it'd be bad for you. Like some of you guys, I'd have taken out a long time ago. But God's very gracious. You know why? Because he's the one that created the need to in your life. And I want you to know that he created the need to in your life, not for you to get stuck in the have-tos. He created a need to because he wanted you to get to the want-tos. You say, well, Mickey, why did he do that? You want me to tell you one reason why? Because he wants to. God did whatever it took because he doesn't live in a need. He doesn't live in a have. He's a God that lives in the want to. And you know what he wants more than anything? You. He said, I will do everything I need to do on my part to give you the ability on your part to fill the need that I've placed in your life. See, I put a void, I put eternity in the heart of man because I want a relationship with him. And it's my mechanism of drawing them back. It's the way of them finding their way home. You say, well, what keeps us from doing that? The have-tos. It's the simple have-tos. You know, some of the things that I, I joke around about, if you talk about Paul's story, let's talk about how he moved from the need-tos to the want-tos. Are you ready? I'm just going to quote some scriptures. Not all these are going to be on, stay, on screen. I want you just to hear some of this. You know, he went from after this encounter and this amazing moment where he realized that, that God wasn't something more and the scales fell from his eyes. Listen to what he put in Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. He says, let us not grow weary of doing good. Like he went from persecuting the church I'm zealous, I'm, I'm the, the, I've become all things to all people, to say, you know what, let's not ever grow weary in doing good. 
Look what else he said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you know what, no matter where you're at, whether you're in a need to, or if you're in a have to, or if you're getting real close to the want to, he's saying, you know what, if you will be consistent, God will lead you down a road that will lead you to the want to. Another thing he said, also in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 and 14, he talks about that aspect of pressing on. We talked about it several weeks ago when we were in this aspect of, of demonstration. Putting down what lies behind and pressing on to what lies ahead. So that I can get the upward calling, the prize of the upward calling of Christ Jesus. See, Paul writes all this stuff in Philippians, curiously enough, from a jail. And in this jail, he speaks about the concept of joy. Like Philippians is the book that we talk about when you want to talk about what it means to have a relationship with Christ and how it can create joy in your life. And honestly, what's so crazy to me is that he, he creates joy in his life writing from a dungeon in captivity with no freedom. And you say, how? Because he learned to live in the want to. See, this is the reason why Paul also said to be crucified with Christ no longer do I die, but yet I live. Paul also made this statement when they talked about, aren't you worried about what they're going to do to you? Some of his people are like, aren't you worried about what they're going to do to you? And Paul says, what are they going to do with a dead man? See, he hit the want-to stage. And when he hit the want-to stage, all of a sudden, he wasn't doing anything in his life based out of loyalty, based out of legalism, based out of, well, this is what you're supposed to do. His relationship with Christ changed his life so much, he said, you know what? I do these things because this is what I want to do. Here's what I wrote very simply. Want to is where attitude and perspective changes. And we learn to dream God-sized dreams. Want to is where attitude and perspective changes. And we learn to dream God-sized dreams. So much so that our old life, Saul, is now lived by a new life. See, I think some of you say, you know, Mickey, how do I overcome these things? How do I get past the have-tos? How do I get past this need in my life? Is there ever a time that this void is going to be filled? And it will be. It's called a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you pursue him and he becomes the number one thing. And you don't do things out of legalistic, you know, concepts of this is what I have to do because God told me to. You live your life because that's what he wants you to do. Can you imagine what life would be like? Just think about it with me for a minute. What would life be like in church life if we weren't constantly having to answer the question of, well, you know, I love Jesus. Does that mean I can or can't do this? Like, we got a rule around my house because I'm, I'm, I'm too simplistic to not try to just, like, we got to make it simple <laughs> for me. And so one of our simple rules is this. Normally, if you've got to ask me if you can do this, like, Dad, is this right or wrong? Then if you've got to ask me if it's right or wrong, guess what, buddy? It's normally wrong. 
Like, if you've got to ask me whether or not you should or shouldn't do this based on an ethical or moral or biblical, usually if you've got to ask about it, not always, don't just, not, not always, but most of the time, you're having to ask a question because you already know that it's wrong. And can you imagine what it would be like if, if we didn't have to answer those questions anymore? I mean, could you imagine what God's church would be like if, if we didn't have to ask all the questions that I, I think are what I call dividing questions? Mickey, should we watch or not watch this stuff? See, you're, you're putting us in a situation, now we've got to be divided. Because somebody's got to be right and somebody's got to be wrong. Mickey, should we love these people? Mickey, how do we handle these things? Mickey, what about this stuff? Mickey, what, do you, what about this on TV? Or what about this language that I use? Or, or what about these different things that I put in my body? Or what I, how about we quit asking divisive questions? And we say, hey, do you want to have a major relationship with Christ? Like, do you want to fill the void that's in your life? Like, if you feel like there's got to be something more, you know what that means? That means God's still got something more for you. It's not that he's got this major plan and you're like in a black room trying to find the light at the end of the tunnel. No, what God's put in your life is a mechanism to let you know whenever you've accomplished everything he wants you to accomplish. And as soon as you've accomplished that, it's going to be an amazing day for you because you're going to sit in a seat and go, man, I'm, I'm good. Like, I don't, there is no more desire for more. Like, I'm good. You say, Mickey, have you ever had that happen? I've done a lot of funerals. But I've never done a funeral where somebody's testimony was, I was done. I've done funerals where people have got up and talked about all the things that people have done. I've got up and, and talked and consoled families that talked about even in the final days how, how this person, male or female, still was, was longing to do more. I've never done a funeral where, where I stood up and said, you know, it is, it is my privilege and pleasure to let you know that this person accomplished everything that God wanted in their life and were done so God took them but yet most of us will live our life as if we're done and we'll pursue other things that we think are important when if we were to be honest, we've not really gotten started on the spiritual things in our life because God's got more for us. You say, Mickey, what's the point today? The point is for us to get to the want to. Well, do you feel like going to church today? Feel like it. Man, I want to. Like, let's go. I've been up since 4 o'clock. I'm dressed and ready. I just didn't want to wake you up too early. I thought about texting Pastor Mickey. Say, hey, you up? And I'd text you back. Say, you crazy. Quit texting me at 4 o'clock in the morning. Some of us sleep. 
Are you not excited? I am excited. At 6.30. That's when my alarm goes off and says, let's get excited. But you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been woke up in the middle of the night and you just have to get up? And you have to write stuff down? And like God's doing something, you're like, I don't know where this is coming from, but something more is happening, and you just want to record it, and you want to write stuff down, and you like, and then all of a sudden, you know, it turns into morning, and it doesn't happen a lot, but you have those moments, you go, wow, there's, there's got to be more, there's got to be more, there's got to, like, I want that more, and God's like, well, as soon as you want it, I'm going to give it to you. Well, what if I don't want it? I'll be over here. Dwelling in my word. Dwelling in my people, waiting for you to want it. I'll be gracious in giving you enough to get you to the next step. But I'm a gracious, kind, loving God, even though I also am just. And I'm never going to push anything on you until you're ready to handle it. I mean, think about it. Could you imagine if I went up to my eight-year-old daughter and said, Honey, I want so much for you in your life. And there's so much that I'm getting ready. In fact, you're eight years old, and guess what? I've already, here's your car. Here's a key. Here's a key to the house. Here's the allowances that you're going to make for the next umpteen years. I've talked to your employer. Here's your money that you're going to make for all of your life. By the way, this is little Billy. You're going to marry him. And here's everything that you're ever going to want as you pursue God on the earthly side. But I just want to give it to you right now because I love you and I just I want to give it to you early. You know, there's a story like that in God's Word. Maybe you've read it. It's called The Prodigal Son. He ended up living in a pig's. Because he blew it. Because he received something out of an aspect of, of entitlement rather than out of a gratitude of, of all I want to. See, here's the crutch of the message. When you start realizing everything that God did on his side of wanting you, I promise you're going to want him too. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.